Really Charlie podcast. A weekly show with the one person to make you say, Really Charlie? On the Really Charlie podcast. Tune in. Hey, 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 welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. And today I have my literary duo, George Weinstein and Kim Conroy. Conroy, sorry, I always mess that up. My Northeastern accent wants to say it a different way. Right. So these two get so these two get some background. If you have any devices on, just turn the volume down. If not, it's probably me. Um, Just keep your volume down. All right, everyone. These two guests here are amazing, amazing people, amazing authors. I had um, a privilege to grab in some of their material, some creative books that they have, and um, I cherish them because... Um, they're amazing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Just trying to make sure everything's down. Do you hear a echo or feedback, George? No, you sound good. All right. Okay. The um. So everyone, this these two are my guests, and please share, share, share this podcast on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, let's see, live on YouTube. If you punch in Really Charlie on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel, and this will be live. Um, eventually, I'm going to try to get my two guests on Fireside. I'm also on that platform once a week. And uh, so, all right. Were you guys able to share it to your page at all? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It. All right. Perfect. That way we'll. That way we get some good act interaction from, from your your friends and family. And um, all right. So, I'm gonna, stealing Aries, by Kim Conrad. And now, George, the latest book I have on Audible, but I'm going to put in, I don't know if everybody can see it, but these are my two, my two guests have wrote these two books, and it doesn't help that uh, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to show a picture that I have. And, um, but I want to write, I want to read something for us in the back of Kim's book. 
And it's from a friend of mine and a friend of yours, Catherine Nichols. She writes, whether you're a sci-fi fan, a romance devotee, or someone who enjoys a beautiful story of survival, it's impossible not to fall in love with Harlow Hansen. And I agree. Catherine Nichols, author of The Unreliables. She was a she was a guest here on the Really Charlie podcast, and that's a great, great um, critique. I love it. Um, and when we talk about your book, Kim, it says on the back cover, in the 20th century, the caldera on the Yellowstone National Park erupts and spreads ash and death across the earth, which can no longer supply the struggling colony on Mars. Worse, the H HMS Ares, the grandest starship of all time, goes dormant when Mars needs her most. The red planet is ripe for revolution. But Harlow Hansen, a thief who struggled most of her life to speak, becomes the only one capable of saying the words that wake the sleeping ship and save the broken colony. Meanwhile, her sentiments rise as Prince Jack Windsor, recently widowed and using the Aries to escape his grief. Doggedly works to get the ship online, refuses to sell it for parts to fund the colonists' welfare. When Harlow sneaks on, on board to plunder it, the ship springs to life and begins communicating with her. The prince realizes the woman stealing from him is the key he's been searching for. Just as Jack begins to open his heart and offer Harlow a shot of, at redemption, she forces to betray him. All odds, he fights to believe in her while the fate of the two planets hangs in the balance. Lovely, lovely. Did you write that? Yes, I did. You are pretty, pretty good, you know. And I, I, I now I know one of the reasons why George kind of courted you and did the right thing, you know. <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. I love it, you know. And George, I can't even. When it comes to this year, your book is the best book that I've read this year. Oh my God! Thank you. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because I was so glued into this and went through three quarters of it. Um, and then I, I stopped and I was disappointed because I was into it. I definitely would, what's it called? Binge, binge watching on Netflix or guess what? If your book was a documentary, I would have watched it. Every series, every season, every episode, <laughs> until I stopped. I just kept reading and reading it and reading it. Um, so hats off to you and five stars. Thank you. Thank you very much. We wanted, We talked about that we were going to mention or talk about writing sequels. Now, George, um, you are definitely way ahead of a lot of us um how do you get the inspiration in doing this what inspires you to keep writing 
You know, uh, I think it, I just love the way words string together and you can take just 26 letters and rearrange them an infinite number of ways and make people feel genuine, genuine emotions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you arrange them in, in one way and you can make people laugh. You arrange them another way. You can make people cry. You can make people angry. You know, you, you can make people feel real things with just these 26 letters, you know, on your keyboard uh, or at your fingertips with a pen. And, and to me, that's just magical. Oh, here we go. We got a cat. Right. Um, I love that. that is awesome. So, and we got a cat, but, <laughs> uh, it, you know, so that, that to me is, is just miraculous. And I've just always been in love with words. Uh, and it, it makes writing, uh, uh, torment sometimes when they, none of them will seem to stick together and do what you want them to do. And then other times, um, uh, you write almost outside your body. I know you've had this experience where something comes out of you and you look at it the next day and you would bet money that you had not written it exactly. <laughs> because it wow. doesn't look familiar. You know, it, you didn't remember struggling for the words. You didn't remember, you know, uh, you know, just trying to get the rhythm right and all it just boom came out. And, uh, you know, and it seems like it came out of somebody else, not out of you. Uh, you know, all, all of that. I don't think we really understand what happens there. Um, and, and I think that's why, you know, some of us get very frustrated when uh, it's not happening because it happened yesterday, you know, and it happened almost automatically yesterday. And now today, nothing, you know, the well seems right. And I know you've experienced that too. Oh, that's funny. It's, I'll walk into a room to, to go get something. I'm like, why did I even walk into this room? You know, wrote an entire book, but I go from the kitchen to the living room and go, why'd I walk in here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stressed out or whatever. And don't even remember why in God's name you walked into another room. But yet, you know, you sit down and write 5,000 words in one sitting and mm -hmm. they just come right out. You don't even know why you walked into the living room. What is that? Wow. <laughs> so if I may just get goofy for but but no, I I, I get it. It's it, Stephen Pressfield wrote this amazing book called um, is it The War of Art. Mm -hmm. So wonderful. Say it again. Everybody needs to write that. Oh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about that getting up and, and writing and, and pushing past resistance he talks about resistance and, and pushing past it and making yourself sit in front of that keyboard day after day is akin primal habits like chasing the antelope like getting up every day and in that same desire to chase the antelope to go after something that sometimes feels almost unattainable and primal but you chase after it anyway because you just have it inside you 
that drive, that desire, and you don't even know if, if you'll get there, but you still wake up every day and you chase the antelope. Do you know that when he yeah. talks about that? And he talks about how the muse blesses people who put their butt in the chair and do it, whether they feel inspired or not, whether they necessarily even believe or not, but they just have this drive to do it. Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, and that the muse blesses the person that does the work. Oh, it is so good. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. I will I will make sure I buy that this week. Um excellent. And it's a tiny book. It's, it's a real, real quick read. Yeah, very but, quick uh, read. But it mine is extensively highlighted, yeah. underlined, dog-eared. Because there are passages in it you read, and I wish I'd have brought some quotes with me that where you're just like, oh. Because yeah. it, mm -hmm. it just everything you've ever tried to express about the writing experience and what it means to to struggle with something and try to put it into the world. And you don't know if anybody will ever love it, if anyone will ever give a damn, but you do it anyway, because on some level that is even hard to put into words, it matters to you. And you believe that it might matter to someone else. And on some soul level, you just know you have to do it. And he, he manages to express that. Mm -hmm what it means to you and why you should do it and have to do it and why you know you have to do it. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and he, he just has wonderful thoughts on resistance, uh, which is what we're constantly up against where, I don't know if you've had days like this where, you know, the writing isn't coming and you can come up with 10,000 excuses not to write. Um, you know, and, and if you give into that resistance over and over again, well, you will never write. Um, <laughs> and it's because it's, it's hard and it's, uh, and again, there's, it, it, it's almost like wielding, trying to wield magic without having the spell book in front of you, you know? Uh, and some days it works, some days the sparks come out of your, you know, your magic wand and uh, brilliant things happen. And then other days, you know, you just, keep waving that exactly it um now in in let's see i got frozen a little bit here some bad weather um you still there all right the um we're just gonna i guess the frozen a little bit but they'll be back on um the uh i would get writer's block and some of the things i would i would basically use is um is my screensaver and i have a i have a mentor that um i basically have um my mentor has um inspires me so i have them on on my screensaver so whenever i stop writing the screensaver will kind of pop up here we go one second here let's try this again all right you so, get us back yes yes yeah it, it's raining like cats and dogs here so uh i think one, it knocked out temporarily yeah one way or another we were 
either on my side or your side, it was going to happen that way. We both have experienced some uh, bad weather in both our areas. So I, I yeah. thought this was going to happen. Um, anyways, so um, I was saying that um, my when I got that writer's block, I had a, I have a screensaver and um, it's one of my mentors. So whenever I'm typing and I froze or I can't, it's just a writer's block. What happens is my laptop automatically, boom, goes to that screensaver. And my mentor appears in front of me. And I'm like, boom. And then I, I snap out of it. And then something, you know, I'll just start writing. And and, and I it's, it's amazing. Just that. Huh. But there's so the you one get thing. This visit from Obi Wan or Yoda, and yeah, uh, exactly. Perhaps you write exactly. Nice. Now, how did? I'm I'm just thinking. You two, right? You're in the same house. Yeah. Probably writing at different times, maybe at the same time. Um, it's is it? It's it's amazing. I mean, and you guys in different rooms. How's this work? In this creative house of yours, you both have an office. Well, you know? uh, we 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 share the same office, but you write everywhere. You'll you'll write in bed. You'll write on the couch. You'll write on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I like to make a little nest. I'll get on the couch with all my little pillows and stuff, and my cats. You saw one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he has to be in the office. In his office chair at his desk. Yeah, just yeah. he's more formal. Over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I almost oh. feel like going to work, you know. And so, okay, this is my job. We gotta, gotta write, you know. Mm -hmm. You put on your uniform, you know. You put on the outfit, and you you sit down in the office chair because that's that's your office, and and you get to work. Um, and uh, and I've. You know, I've been able to write in other places, but uh, that resistance is very strong in me and it's easy mm -hmm. for me to get distracted. So if I'm trying to write in an unfamiliar place, like a hotel room or. Very nice. It uh, or on an airplane. That said. George, we cannot do this to this unbelievable person. He is, um, he's amazing. Out in TV land. There All we right, go. Here we We're go. back. All right. All right. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know. No, that's right. I can't be missing anything from George. <laughs> you, you are just an inspiration. I could sit. If you were a professor at a at a university college. Um, I would bore you to tears. No, I would be the best <laughs> scholar. I there would be one degree after another. Follow all your classes. Oh, and so uh, only because you you keep me captivated. You're definitely um, one of my favorite right. And Kim, don't take this offensive. You know, he, <laughs> he, he you know, 
I, I I'm one of your favorite writers too. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you was you were definitely one of my favorites. And Kim, I'm not even worried about your book. This is definitely a five star without me even getting to it. Um, and the only reason why I haven't got to it, I'm gonna blame both of you it's because you have gave me so many authors and so many people true. to have on my podcast that has me writing and reading about all of them. And you guys are one of the first. And guess what? You know, becoming, well, with George, he had perfect timing. I wasn't reading anything. So I, when I read Hot, Hot Scrabble Road, it was perfect. It was like, all right, I'm going to read this. I'm going to get into it. Um, but after that, I couldn't. You know, I, I didn't have time, you know, and then I'm on Gabby's book. I'm reading that. And um, you know what? And I'm reading it. it. The craziest thing is I'm reading it in my car, right? And that's <laughs> where I have my downtime. It's in my backpack. I open it up, read it. And then where I'm reading it is in a parking lot. And then all of a sudden I get someone knocking on my window. And they want to shoot the shit with me. Excuse the language. <laughs> I'm in, I'm reading Gabby's book. I'm like, so I, I got to, you know, be courteous. And I talk to them, have great conversation. And then I have to go back to the book. So, but she's another one. Speaking of her, we have so many people. We have Tanisha, who's coming on next week. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, she's wonderful. You will love yeah, that conversation. I can't wait. You won't remember us at all after talking to Tanisha. Listen, you guys are in my heart, and I don't forget anything in my heart. You had, you had people. Yep. Hey, there's Kathy. It's Kathy, Kathy. my girl. Uh, she's another fabulous writer. Oh, yeah. All right. Kim, let's talk about your podcast. Yeah, and you know, that, was, that podcast was Kathy's brainchild. I remember when she first came up with that idea. We already had our wild women who write little critique group and we had started a web page where when we published something like a an article got published or a short story we could put it on this web page but then kathy nichols says wild brave woman that she is hey i know let's start a podcast <laughs> we were all because ah! you know that was just what you know, mm -hmm. we didn't know what we were doing. Well, you know, we had no idea. We were, you know, fumbling around. But Kathy is one of the boldest, bravest, most badass woman. I mean, she has every right to call herself a wild woman. And she just, she's one of these people that will throw out an idea. And not everyone could get away with this, okay? But mm -hmm. Kathy can throw an idea out at you and she's taking you all along for the ride. Right. And you're going because she'll just throw it out there and she'll kind of say it fast and say, okay, like this is what we're going to do. And you're all on board before you know what hits you. And then you're going, Oh, we all just agreed to that. Oh, I think we did. <laughs> you're just <Amazing>. doing it. <laughs> but like, I'm glad she did because you know, that honestly was the beginning of so many things. Because from that, not only did 
into the podcasting, but also social media. Um, I've started doing the Instagram page for it. And then I thought, Mm -hmm. well, we need to be doing this to promote the podcast and that. And I'm sure you you did this too, Charlie, is when you started podcasting, you're like, well, I should be doing this for the podcast and that. And you had to make yourself learn it, right? Because you didn't know. So you just had to start researching how to do it and just teach yourself. And, And that's, you know, that's what I ended up doing. And so from that one suggestion from her, why don't we do a podcast? There were all these other things that I, yes. I started teaching myself and learning. And if she had never suggested it, if she had never been the wild woman bold enough to say. And to drag, I would have never tried and never done if she had never. YouTube is a great teacher. To say that. And by the way, published because I had put that in a drawer. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I had put that in a drawer because when I originally wrote that way back in 2016, the the tragedy that had stranded, sort of stranded the colonist on Mars was originally a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I had always been fascinated by the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. I had read entries about um, they were digging people up out of the permafrost way up in Alaska. And this Mm -hmm. is way before we had our recent pandemic because they wanted to study um, the victims of the the 1918 Spanish flu. And and so I had read about that and watched these documentaries. And so I thought, well, let's have a pandemic sweep the earth to strand these people on Mars. But then when I started showing Aries, they said, all the agents were saying no pandemic stories. You know, they didn't want to hear any of that because they were getting mm. their inbox was getting flooded with people writing about the pandemic and having stories set in the pandemic. And so I just got discouraged and I said, well, it's, it's woven all through stealing Aries. Wow. And then one night for our podcast, Kathy said, I saw this really cool thing. It's this exercise that writers can do where you answer questions as your character like they go Mm. in a circle and somebody says what would you do if or you know how do you feel about and i would like answer as harlow nice and at the time i was only concentrating on the ocd memoir that i had told you about Mm -hmm. i said well i can't answer these questions as myself i'm already myself and so i said well i'll answer questions as harlow from the book that i was writing And when I started answering questions as Harlow, I started getting enthused again. And I realized I missed Harlow, my female main character, um, my kick-ass character from Stealing Aries. And I had a a sadness came over me. And I thought, why in the world did I put that beautiful character, that beautiful story in a drawer? Because, quite frankly, was it because I was scared to do the work? to get the damn thing back out, mm-hmm. pull all that stuff about the pandemic out of it and just find a new tragedy to strand my colonists on Mars. And that's when the caldera blew under Yellowstone Park. And I thought, mm-hmm. there's my tragedy. You know, all I need is just a new tragedy. And so I had wow. the caldera under Yellowstone National Park blow and then ash circled the earth. And that's what stranded the colonists on Mars. 
you know, and and that worked because if ash is circling the earth for generation after generation, crops would fail, supply chain problems. Well, we have that now, but it would really be bad if there's ash circling the earth and, and that worked. But that that also came out of the podcast because that was episode four, I believe, when characters take over and we all answer questions as our character. So you never know when a when a daring suggestion from a friend or someone that's trying to pull you along mm-hmm. or something what's saying yes saying yes yes even if you think you can't do it even if you think oh that's not me i don't know how to do that i'm not good with technology mm-hmm. that's just not my personality i mean we say all kinds of things like that because we don't think we have it in us or we don't think we're capable of think we're bold enough, confident. <laughs> it's resistant. Now you're capable enough. Yeah, you, you can do it. You're confident. You got it in you. Do it. You're because good enough. You're good enough. Yeah. All these wonderful things can happen when you show up and you say yes. Show up for yourself, you know, be the wild woman, be the wild man, show up, you can do it, you can. And all these great things can happen when you show up for yourself and say yes. That's amazing. It's, um, it's, um I like that. I like that. You, um, your podcast is great, but how come George hasn't been a guest yet? Well, it's the wild women who write Take Flight and, uh, I am uh, exceedingly heterosexual. But no, <laughs> no. We have Bobby's husband on, and he he's a therapist because we, we wanted to have the therapist's point of view. Yeah, but he knows something. I don't know anything. I just write. And we're going <laughs> to have Charlie on. <laughs> okay. So. In like March or April. Okay. I can't wait. He writes amazing poetry. Yeah. I'll you. be scrolling through Instagram or Facebook. And I'll see one of his his mm-hmm. writings from yep. Poetic Pulse. Yep. Yes. And it'll just stop me in my tracks. And Thank I'll have you. to sit and not just read it, but savor it. Because good poetry has you stopping and savoring it and turning it over in your head and your heart, your soul. And it's good stuff, man. I'm inspired by it. I love it. That means a lot to me. That really does. I, well, I can't wait. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just drop me in. I can't wait. George returned to Hot Scrabble Road, yeah. What, so, uh, what inspired so I, I guess you, you showed the, the Hard Scrabble Road cover, and so, uh, just a little, little background. So, let's see, everything's opposite. So, the little kid holding out the can mm-hmm. right here. Um, that was my former father-in-law. Uh, this is a Very photograph nice. taken in 1937. And, uh, and, uh, I interviewed him and his two older brothers for, uh, 10 years and, uh, collected their kind of stories of their childhood, their, you know, oral history about growing up with, the a psychopathic father and a mother who had no interest in raising her children during mm-hmm. the great depression. They were the children of sharecroppers. There was nobody poor. They're, uh, you know, what you see on this cover with the overalls and the the long sleeve shirt 
they owned exactly two pairs of overalls and two shirts and that was it no socks no underwear they you know they had a pair of shoes that got passed down from kid to kid um most of the time they went around barefoot and uh you know nothing on under their their outside clothes and you know uh just desperately desperately poor uh malnourished unloved and uh you know except except by each other and yet (laughs) you would think they would have every excuse in the world to fail Mm -hmm. Uh, all three of them turned into extraordinary adults uh just extraordinary men you'd hold them up as model american citizens every one of them and uh and it it really struck me that you know they came from such uh, deprivation and yet overcame. And then what you see, yeah, if you'll show that picture, you'll see the only picture that exists of them as, uh, teenagers that we have. And of course it, and it's them, you know, in, in order again, with the littlest one, uh, on, uh, on your right, um, and the middle brother and then the oldest brother. And, uh, so that's them 10 years after the, the first picture on, on home. And, uh, uh, but I'm a very different writer now than I was in 2002 when I embarked on that story. So I, I collected their stories for 10 years and then I had to talk my former father-in-law into uh, helping me with this project because I didn't just need stories, I needed sense memories. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it'd just be a series of stories and you wouldn't engage with it except on an intellectual level. But it would never appeal to your you emotionally because there were no senses in, you know, in those stories that I copied down for 10 years. I wanted to know the way the way everything smelled and tasted and felt and sounded, you know, as well as looked. Uh, but for you writers out there. The important senses, if you're trying to appeal to the reader, is not the visual and not the auditory. Those are like the least two important senses. If you can tell somebody in a scene how something tastes, you know, how how something feels on on their skin, how something smells, you will connect with your readers uh, in a much more in a much deeper way. Uh, than you will if you just describe the way everything looks and the way everything sounds. And that tends, those tend to be the default senses that most writers use, but they're the least helpful for engaging the reader. So I needed the way things, you know, the way things smelled and tasted, you know, and felt, Uh, you know, when, when Papa took his belt after you and used the buckle end instead of the, the leather, how did that feel? Um, you know, when he wore out a switch on you and you brought him one that was too small and he sends you back to, to get two more, uh, what did that feel like? Um, yeah, preaching, preaching. Yeah, preaching. I love it. Yeah. So, so I needed those sense memories and, uh, his reaction when I approached him about this book project was to say, who would care? You know, <laughs> don't waste your time writing a book about my childhood. I was just one of a million poor Southern kids who, you know, uh, grew up rough and uh, escaped into the military. It's just what we all did. 
And I said, well, I didn't know you from Adam before, but you know, you've made me care. And, uh, and I think working together, we can make other people care. And he just wouldn't go for it. Uh, so I had to trick him, uh, frankly. <laughs> so I reached back to one of his stories. Um, he never liked his name. And, and you'll remember this in Hard Scrabble Road. He never liked his name because his father uh, was a bootlegger. Um, he was a wholesaler. He didn't actually make the, the moonshine. He would drive to uh, a county in North Florida from uh, Southwest Georgia. County where the actual shine, the, the corn whiskey, and uh, he would buy 50 gallon. And then drive it back, zagging route back home um, and sell you know, girls to all the retail. Those are the classic mason jars of the stuff, you know, behind the mm -hmm. general store and behind the police station. Out of the sailor. And uh, he would have these kids, uh, his uh, a new moon. So no, no, you know, the darkest night of the year, he would go down the, there to buy his moonshine and he would take one of these kids with him. And uh, not because he was affectionate toward the kids or he wanted the kids around and kind of learned the trade. He brought them as human shields because he knew the revenue agents, the revenue in, in the truck. And uh, so, you know, my, my former father-in-law and his two older brothers grew up, as, you know, spent their childhoods as human shields for this man. And uh, so one time uh, he, uh, he takes uh, uh, my former father-in-law down there and with his name. And, uh, and it's, it becomes clear that Papa has named him after this high sheriff in this county in North Florida mm -hmm. as a bribe. You know, to, you know, besides giving this guy money, hey, look, I named one of my kids after you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just as an additional bribe to keep this guy in his pocket. So he'll let him, you know, take moonshine, you know, out of his county and all. And so my, you know, my father-in-law just hated his name because there was no sentiment attached to it. There was no familial history with that name. It was a bribe. It was a bribe yes. to, the, you know, fat, horrible sheriff. Amazing. When you know, down in North Florida. And uh, so I told him you can name this character anything. All right. He said, Really? I can name him anything I want? I said, Yep, yeah, he'll be named Roger if if that's the name you want. He said, Yeah, I always like that name. We can do nice. that. I said, nice. we can do anything. And it was like flipping a light switch. All of a sudden, he kind of got into the story, he got interested. And uh, in fact, he did a 180 by the end of this writing project, where I would bring sample chapters to him and make sure I got the sense details right and all. 
he never read the, the whole book because there were times later on in the story when I was making guesses where he got a little cagey with his answers. And so I had to make little leaps of imagination. And I didn't want him to read those chapters because he was intentionally withholding information from me that mm -hmm. were was emotionally, you know, still emotionally tender for him. And if I guessed right, he would be upset that he revealed too much. Wow. Uh, and I and I didn't want I never want him to feel feel bad about what I was writing. So and he never asked, um, you know, to to him, it was just a, you know, a fun little project. But he got into it so much that he started spending his free time writing his own memoirs for his kids. So before he passed away, he left each of them a huge three ring binder full of stories, many that we'd heard before, mm -hmm. but also some that uh, they had never seen before. And, uh, wow. you know, so that was that was kind of a little gift, you know, at the end of it that he uh, he enjoyed the process so much that he went from who would care to, well, my kids might care. My grandkids mm -hmm. might care. My great grandkids might wonder who this guy was. So. You know that that binder will get passed down from generation to generation. So, uh, so I so I wrote that book between 2002 2004, and it took me until 2012 to get it published. And uh, and I swore I was never going to write a sequel. Um, just wasn't wasn't going to do it. There were so many other things I wanted to write, but people kept emailing me and. Uh, you know, and, and asking what happens next, you know, are you ever going to write a sequel? And so finally, I, I realized I really missed these characters. You know, I missed writing about them. I missed thinking about them. I missed putting them in terrible situations and then figuring out a way to get, get them out. Um, you know, kind of like the perils of Pauline, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so they're strapped to a railroad track, you know, and here comes the train and oh my God, what are they going to do? So, uh, I wanted to go through all of that with them again. So, uh, yeah, so I wrote that sequel that you put up on the screen, Return to Hard Scrabble Road. And, yeah, uh, and uh, the, the basis of this story, um, a lot of it is um, stuff coming from my own imagination this time. But there were some stories I couldn't fit into Hard Scrabble Road that became, you know, foundational in Return to Hard Scrabble Road. So it was nice to be able to pull back in some of his his old stories and uh, you know, and then at the same time let my imagination soar and you know, uh, what does that say? Poor Bud. Oh yeah, yeah, poor <laughs> Bud, yeah. So I, uh, so you know, Bud goes through hell in the first book, but he's a little kid and can't do anything about it except survive. Um, and the one good thing Bud is, is good at is survival. Um, so he so figures true. out how to survive. Um, in Return to Hard Scrabble Road, he's 16, going on 17, and he has agency now. Um, I know, you know, we think of our teenagers nowadays and we think, well, they're just, they're really just bigger children, you know, they're playing their video games and stuff. Well, when you were 16 in the 1940s, you were, you know, you were a man or you were a woman. Um, exactly. You know, you had to grow up quick uh, back then, especially when you were growing up poor. And, uh, you know, and so these were young men um, and they were able to act. 
And now he's got to figure out what are the right actions. Now that I can pick up a gun and shoot somebody, mm -hmm. is that the right thing to do? Is that, is that really the best solution or is there a better solution? And uh, so much of Hardscrabble, Return to Hardscrabble Road is him struggling with that kind of legacy of violence that he grew up in and trying not to be like the people he grew up around, but instead become the person he wants to be. Awesome. awesome. The, uh, the uh, I can't I wait. Can't. It's, it's interesting that you say that, um, you know, uh, how you were, tr you wanted to write and what was next. And that's how I ended with Hodge gravel road. Yeah. I was like, what's next? Well, what you'll be happy next? to know it picks up exactly where the first book leaves off. It could just be the next chapter of hard scrabble road. I mean, wow. literally the next thing. So, um, yeah, there no time elapsed. <laughs> George, I want to ask you a question, right? Yeah. This is an amazing photo I'm going to put on the screen, right? Oh, my and, God. And someone took that photo of you, of, of Kim, right? Mm -hmm. She reloaded. And, and I don't have the picture that you've taken. And I'm trying to give the person some credit because those two pictures of you, Kim, which are books, was a, that is an amazing photographer. And yeah. I just want you to kind of tell me who that person is. And I seen it, but I can't. I, I just, that was amazing um, marketing picture. I mean, because well, I she's look, a super talented uh, photographer and uh, just a genuinely nice person. One of the sweetest people in the world. Her name is Cherie Lawley. And, okay. uh, and, and, and she does, she does photography. Um, She's she's also a uh, a super mom and uh, and and Kim's best friend for the last what? 25 oh gosh, years? over twenty years. I yeah. just texted her and said, "Really, Charlie is talking about you right mm -hmm. now." <laughs> that is amazing photography, and I, I was so happy um, when I seen those pictures. Doesn't she up. do a great job? And yeah, the um. Acknowledgements for this book, Cherie, who always believed, and the entire time that I've been writing, she has always just believed 100%, always, and always encouraged me. And I hope I've done the same for her photography because she is just such a talented woman. It's um, it's it's just something. I I mean, I I, I love taking for, um, pictures. I'm all over the place with them. Um, I have to get back into it. Only because um, I like to use my photos for some of the inspiration that I write about, and it just so happens that a lot of the pictures that I take are from my, you know, hometown area. So it really brings out something pretty similar to what George was saying—the taste, you know, and and the feel of things. And and so when I see that, I definitely kind of see the image and I start writing about it. How, you know, whether it was cold outside or warm outside. Yeah. Or but see right, right there, you aren't thinking about the image. You're thinking about how it felt on your skin. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, it's 
you know, and I'll bet you if I showed you a picture of any place in your hometown, you could tell me how it smelled around there. You know, oh, there's a restaurant nearby and there's always the smell of grilled onions or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, the way things the way things felt on your skin, you know, the cold, so or the true. Heat, whatever, um, you know, the way things tasted, uh, you know, if I'm showing you a, a shot of mm -hmm. every diner or whatever, you know, you can taste your favorite food from there. Um, that's so important in writing, uh, you know, whatever, whatever kind of writing you're doing. And uh, and I don't think. You know, a lot of a lot of writers think enough about those those three senses, particularly. It's so easy to describe the way things look and sound. Yeah, it's um, that's why I like uh, using uh, uh, I use the you know my name a poetic pulse because everything I write comes from my heart. Yep. And 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 the heart absorbs so many things, like a sponge. And it could be good, bad, ugly, it could be lovely. There's so many things, you know, and so when I'm writing, I, I definitely have that, I have that pulse. But also, like you said, if I'm in the outside and I'm, I'm writing about something that is the, the best time for me, and my creativity really comes out um, when I'm outside, no matter what. Yeah. So, um, in fact, it brings this to this picture. I will be writing about, <laughs> and when That's I sweet. do, and then when I do write about it, I am gonna send you, send you it. Um, Thank you. That was in that was in my uh, my shaving days. Uh, yeah, taken about ten years ago. It's um it, it it definitely bring out something between uh, you know reading your book and that picture. It really there was something about that picture, and um I could just picture you. <coughs> oh, excuse me. In that stance, observing or watching Bud do something, mm -hmm. um, or coming towards you where you're going to kind of give him some advice, you know. Or um, try to shield him from harm. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's definitely, yeah. you, 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 you did a great job. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you very much. Kim, I, I, um, I promise you that by the end of January, I will be reading. <laughs> you, know, you, you sound like me. Um, <laughs> will be reading your book and um, I have another thing that I want to do and um, I want to own a cat two cats and um, the names I want to name them is Smokey and Hugh <coughs> but uh, I'm thinking about naming one of the cats Harlow oh. <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to uh, convince my better half that you know that's what I want. So we have to uh, we have to you know my grandkids are two of them allergic to uh, well my grandson and my stepson they're allergic to uh, the cat hair. So 
Someone told me to get a, a, a Russian blue or a Russian gray cat. And um, so I'm going to think about that. But uh, I just wanted to mention that. It was in my head. And it just so happens that a black cat came across the screen. And, <laughs> it's a sign. It's a sign. And those, those are one of my favorite. I, I love black cats. Um, yeah. Me black, too. Yeah. Always too. wanted a black cat. Black, black, white, and gray. I love, which kind of symbolizes, uh, um, if I'm saying this right, life in itself, you know. Yeah. And uh, if I could have three of them, I would, but I, I, that's a little bit much for me. All right. Let me see. Let me, Gabby says, congrats, Kim and George. And, oh, thank you, Gabby. Yeah. Well, and I don't think I've told you my news. I just signed a contract for the second book in the Aries series, book two, I, coming out in October. I did and that may be why she's saying congrats. Thank you for uh, definitely mentioning that because I did see it. And I'm so happy. You know, yeah, just the other day. It'll be out October 12th, 2023. It's the follow-up to this one, and mm -hmm. it is called Losing Aries. Ooh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Now, George, would you, uh, you guys act out these characters in Kim's book? Role play or anything like that? Is that happen? <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk about them. Oh, a, when we a, went to Dragon Con. Well, that's, that's true. We did yeah. cos cosplay her, her characters. Um, and and we we talk about them quite a bit, like they're actual people, like they might mm -hmm. be in the next room. We sometimes talk in low voices as if they could overhear us. Uh, That's awesome. And uh, and and you live with these characters day in and day out. You know, you're you're writing about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and all that. And they they become real to you. Mm -hmm. And and when the book is done, you kind of miss them. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and that's, that's what finally propelled me to, you know, to work on a sequel. And, you know, I, I envy Kim, you know, being able to, uh, you know, spend literally year after year with these, these characters, you know, as you're writing sequels and all, um, and, uh, introducing new characters and, um, discovering new depths to the characters you've been writing about, you know, like, oh, I know. You know, and all of a sudden you've got a whole subplot that yesterday didn't exist in your mind and now is going to be, you know, something that's firmly in the book. It's magic. Very nice. Just magic. The, uh, that extended family. Uh, well, it is family, like you said. It, um, it came out of you. It's like you, you birthed these characters. Yeah. The bad ones, come. too. Yes, yes. They're, they're all part of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but I really, really appreciate <coughs> my time with you. Excuse me with this bad cough. I can't get rid of it. It's that like, my, yeah, I mean, my nose isn't running. I'm not, a, I don't have a fever or anything. Just something nagging, like if I was uh, in, a, in a hay field or something like that, it's just mm -hmm. caught in my throat. So um, the uh, 
So I really appreciate this time, and I hope I did you some justice, especially with your, your sequels and, and, and mentioning them on your podcast, uh, because this conversation with you two guys have definitely um, helped me out, and you are two of my favorite authors, and that's the reason why I have... It's like a stack of money to me. This is nice. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. And uh, I cannot wait to get more. I mean, Kim's going to add some more to my shelf. And I promise you, I will read, God willing. Please keep me alive to read all these books. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, it's awesome. It's, um, well, thank you. And I have to kind of step it up with Jeff too. I really need to, uh, you know, add his collection to mine. The, uh, all right. Um, you guys have gave me. He's an amazing person. Yes, he is. Yeah. I, my, my question is uh, like to all the guests. And like I mentioned, I uh, asked you in a previous show, who would you like to see on a really childlike podcast? Now, you gave me a lot of names before. <laughs> yeah. Have we mentioned Cat Cat Filer, our other wild woman? <clears throat> Gabby we, might have mentioned her. We talked on Instagram. And okay. she had told me her plans and yeah. what she's going to do. And I Cat said, Filer, well, yeah. whenever you're ready, you have a seat at the seat in the podcast, and we will definitely help her in okay. any kind of way. And uh, there's and a Sue Tidwell. And, She's an amazing author who has a book called Cries of the Savannah. She'd gone hmm. on a lot of safaris and she she had been on our podcast and she looks at conservation in a, in a way that's different from most people might see it, you hmm. know, as hunting as a form of conservation, because most people think of conservation is you never kill anything. But yes. then when you get too many elephants and they're destroying the ecosystem in a different way, you know, then, then hunting is not a bad thing when done the right way. So anyway, she just has this view of, of hunting as conservation. And she talks about going on safari. And, and she, she was a really neat guest that we had had on our podcast. So Sue Tidwell, um, Beverly Armento. I don't know if anybody's mentioned her. She has a beautiful memoir that mm. deals with uh, mental illness in, in such a wonderful way. Yeah. It's a hard read, it, like Hard yeah, Scrabble Road. It's like the female Hard Scrabble it, Yeah. <laughs> it is? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's all true, and that's why it's hard to read. But I think necessary because somebody else out there is is dealing with a mentally ill family member and, and would love to read it and know that they're not alone. So Beverly Armento would be a good one. And Patrick Scullin, Tina Moss, who is another um, sci-fi romance. But anyway, so yeah. many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a bunch of contacts as well. There's Tanya Todd, who's with the uh, Nevada Writers Group and uh, does a wonderful podcast herself called Dime Grinds, which is a mm. wonderful name. I love that name. Uh, uh, it's set out in Vegas and, uh, and Tanya would love to have you on your show and, and she would be a great That's guest right, on, yeah. um, on yours. And, uh, in fact, if I could plug, uh, 
the May 5th and 6th Atlanta Writers Conference. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have 18 agents and editors, but we'll also have Tanya doing a workshop on writing diverse characters. So oh, very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and Tanisha so, Curtis so really, is yeah, listening, and, and right. she yep. is going to be yep. there and, with the. And then April 29th, we have the Atlanta self-publishing conference. And you, so, uh, you know, definitely asked to hmm. um, about the April 29th Atlanta self and uh, which, uh, you know, she's just doing an incredible. So and I'll send you, you know, a bunch of other folks too. Um, you'll please do. We'll, we'll fill up the rest of 2023 for you if you it's let us. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that that makes work a whole lot easier. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's uh, yeah, I can't wait. April 29th, going to Atlanta. That might be a good thing. Oh, we would love to have you. Yeah. You know, I missed you in November, and uh, it's too bad on my my end. But it is, it's uh, that's right. There's always another chance. Oh. Yeah, the, the Atlanta start a new, always has another event. Continual. <laughs> I start a new job soon. So, well, I have my name tag. I just haven't started day one. So, oh, that's uh, exciting! Congratulations! Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, it's going to be great things, and thank you. Um. All right. Um, let me just do something. Can you just stay on? I just want to sure. uh, play my friend's commercial. I think I owe it to him, especially, you know, uh, we have uh, this crazy weather coming to us on the East Coast. So this will be appropriate. There we go. Welcome to Dial a Shovel, your local residential snow removal service. Please contact us if you have any questions. We look forward to helping you keep your property safe and clear. Our number is 774-634-6200. Thank you. Dial, dial a Shovel. He, he's, uh, he's amazing. He does we long work. In Atlanta, but <laughs> well, he... But actually, we do though. Yeah, I remember going through Georgia, and it was hmm, I'm trying to think. Well, it was almost. It was in the twenties or teens. I was leaving Florida to come back to the Northeast, and uh, and it's crazy. It was colder in Florida when we left, and then when we arrived in massachusetts it was a whole lot warmer that was so crazy yeah. yeah and all the oranges and everything was kind of lost and frozen um but uh george when you have time uh do some research on crestview florida Crestview. Um, okay. and it, it's amazing that you know i have when i'm reading your book that's where my visuals come from there. And it's amazing that you say Southern Georgia, you know, the Northern part of Florida, and that's where Crestview is. And it's amazing that that's the visual when I'm that's reading your book. And I was in that town and 
I lived in Fort Walton Beach, and mm-hmm. Crestview kind of gives me that image for hard scrabble world. And um, I yeah. just wanted to let you know before I forgot. I forgot already in our previous episode, but um, so. Okay, then when they think of Georgia, you know, a lot of people, they just think of red clay. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. South Georgia looks like North Florida. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all sand and sandy loam. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, there it's was, much more like Florida than, you know, the northern part of the state. Yeah, there was a, there was a railroad track that I liked seeing. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. The craziest thing is that it gave me this visual of the good side of the track and the bad side of the track or the track that you didn't, you know, either side you didn't belong on. And uh, that visual was, it's been implanted in my, my head for, uh, let me see, almost 40 years. Yeah. Um, and I could still write about that image. Um, so oh, I want to see some poetry about that. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta just um, sit down and just say that's what I'm gonna write about. So um, it was an Olympic star that came from uh, um, Crestview, Florida. I believe the name is Mick Fierson. Um Used to run around barefoot, very fast. Um, U.S. track and field team. He was amazing. So. But uh, I write my favorite two literary wow. duels, and uh, I will definitely get back in touch with you always. Um, if there's anything you want to add, we can add it right now. Um, other than that, we are going to close down the podcast and um, just keep in touch. You know, you guys mean so much to me. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And, uh, become such a good friend of ours. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate you, Charlie. Thank and you so le- much. Electronic hug for you guys. Yeah, yep. and Merry Christmas. Yes. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Everybody out there in internet land. <laughs> yes. And, and we got cat number two here now. That's a see. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I love it. They just, I love them. I love cats. Um, and I, I need to get another two, one or two. So, <laughs> one named Carlo. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> oh man, I can't get rid of this. I, I can't be drinking too much of this cough medicine, you know. Hey, Dad, just have her have her talk to Kim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Tell you all the reasons why Harlow is a great name. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it is a great name. All right. Um. See, we got Facebook users saying later, guys. And I'm going to say later and good night to you guys. God bless you. Thanks for having us. You too. Georgia is a home of my family and friends. I have family out there, but you guys uh, make Georgia real special to me. Oh, thank you. uh, And uh, I wish I can get some of my relatives to go to your book signing and just say, hey, I'm Charlie's kin, you know, and uh, meet you guys. So uh, I think that you guys would connect. So that's why I share everything so they can go and read it. So, and uh, 
I might even cash app them some money so they can buy a book for themselves, you know. So I'll, I'll do something, you know. But uh, oh, thank you. you guys are wonderful. And let's do this again. Anytime, any point, I'm going to continue to share every, everything that I see that you're doing. Um, Love it. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Come on down and see us. Oh, I, I will. I'm going to. I'm gonna definitely uh, talk to the missus about April 29th. You know, take right. down there. You know, doesn't have to be a week. It can be a couple of days, and uh, yep. Yeah, and then we'll come back home. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. There's a there's a great hotel that the uh, Atlanta Self Publishing Conference is at uh, the West End. You'll y'all be very comfortable there. She'll love it. Great room mm. service. Okay. Um, if you can send that to me, um, I'll do it. I'll look for it, but um, I just want to make sure I have the right yep. spot. Yep, absolutely. Yep, I'll send you the link right after we're done. All right, you guys are the best, and uh, you God bless you. All right, thank Take you care. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. All right, everyone, we are going to end with the Really Charlie podcast theme song by Lionel Peter Walker. And all in all, I have two great friends in Georgia. I have many, many friends in Georgia. And George and Kim are one of the best. Buy those books. Buy those books. I'll share the link um, in the comment section after this podcast. God bless you all. Take care. You too. Thank you. It's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yo, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the Really Charlie Podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Really Charlie Podcast. Making memories last. Your time, my time, we all shine on the Really Charlie Podcast.